0: good morning saints of our lord and welcome to thy strong word thank you for tuning in this morning on worldwide kfuo christ for you anytime anywhere I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota, and today is Friday, July 30th, and this next hour, we study the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we end Nehemiah chapter 13. Our guest today has said this is his favorite chapter of the Bible. Who would have thought? Not one I've ever heard of before, but here we are. Nehemiah gives his final reforms, and he addresses some major issues of God's people, which is really comes down to faith. The heart did not follow what the Lord had given to them, and how are, are they to react? How are we to, re- to react? Sounds like a little bit like today. So as we look at it, we know we see Christ, and may the Lord give us that this day, as the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Today as our guest, we have the joy of having with us Reverend Dr. Reed Lessing, Professor of Theology and Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. He joins us today as we study Nehemiah chapter 13. Dr. Lessing, welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Great to be with you, Brady.
0: Dr. Lessing, this is our, well, we know each other. I mean, you were my professor back in the day, and we see each other from time to time. Um, um, But this is our first time together. You've been on KFUO for many, many years. But can you introduce yourself to our guest and uh, what's going on at CSP and the Center for Biblical Studies?
1: Wow. Well, it's good to be with you, Brady. And um, welcome to, um, you know... um, all of our listeners who are going to dive into Nehemiah 13 with us. I do uh, have a specialty in the old Testament as uh, you might know as one of my former students. <laughs> and, um, uh, thankfully I've been able to write five commentaries for CPH, all, um, old Testament prophets. So, mm-hmm. um, Nehemiah is um, not something I've ever uh, written on too much. I, um, am looking forward to, um, taking a deep dive into this uh, great chapter with you.
0: Can you do us a little bit of what does it mean, the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul?
1: Oh, no, that's a great question. So as the director, um, I have um, kind of a a two-pronged approach. We uh, offer uh, four workshops a year for uh, pastors and lay people, either online or face-to-face. Uh, people, if they're interested, they can just, uh, you know, Google CSP, Center for Biblical Studies. And um, so what I do is I uh, lead uh, these workshops. Uh, we have one coming up on the book of Proverbs, uh, mm-hmm. managing uh, finances in a godly way. And that's going to be on the 17th of August. That's primarily for pastors and lay people. Um, And then we have an Advent uh, sermon workshop in uh, October uh, and then a a Lenten workshop in January and then a uh, Book of the Bible workshop on a Saturday in March. Uh, We also lead tours to um, Pauline sites in Turkey and Greece, as well as um, tours to the Holy Land. God willing, we'll lead our first tour to Israel after Christmas this year. And then the third part would actually be inviting a uh, scholar of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to come on campus uh, in the summer, and we had a Dr. Tim Seleska who is an expert on the Book of Psalms, and he was with us three days uh, last month. Um, So it's just a a great way for the university to give back to uh, the LCMS and um, equip and inspire our uh, pastors and lay Leaders.
0: And what a blessing that is. And that obviously is is is, is exactly what we're trying to do here in KFUO and, and not mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. obviously done in a in a singular way. We have this in other concordias, we have it in our seminaries, and what a blessing mm-hmm. it is for us here in Minnesota to be able to have that so close and such an easy access. And I know um, the part of the tendency that we have, you get to St. Paul and you're thinking, Well, I can just go to the twins game. That you know, it's for me, I just might want to, you know, go to the Center for <laughs> Biblical Studies, but I just might keep driving all the way to uh, to Target Field or to St. Paul's Center. <laughs> Saints, you know the Triple uh-huh. A of the Minnesota Twins, which I think you and I are going to do someday. Go to one of these games and just have a great time. Um,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, yes. what a joy to know we
0: can go and be in the Word of God and go to baseball, even though mm-hmm, right now mm-hmm. the Twins are pretty awful. I mean, this is we're you're, you're no longer living in St. Louis, Doctor Lessing, where everyone you know, just bows to the Cardinals. Twins mm-hmm. fans, we're ready to go to the lake. And so the twins, if they're not good, we're going to the lake. What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> I get that. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyways, but we're here yeah. because of the scriptures, and we're thanking God for all of that. And we end our time in Nehemiah. So, Pastor, can you um, uh, end our time uh, at the beginning of this study and ask for the Lord's blessings in prayer?
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what St. Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, that whatever was written beforehand was written for our encouragement and endurance. We thank you for what you inspired through this Persian governor named Nehemiah, because it's part of this corpus, this body of literature that you've inspired and given to us to read, mark, learn, And inwardly digest. We thank you for it. We pray that that would be our posture and your work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: As we've talked about a lot as we've been studying Nehemiah, now we're towards the end. Nehemiah is not a book that people typically know a lot about it, it, You know, there's a lot, it's a big book and as you know, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Lessing's a big book. And so I've been asking all of our guests, so tell us about Nehemiah or whatever would help us as we look at the last chapter. So you kind of have the whole meal deal here, you know, we're past the appetizers, we're, we've got the main course, maybe <laughs> this is a dessert. How would you describe Nehemiah that will help us out as we look at the last chapter?
1: Well, uh, probably uh, in a lot of similar ways, others have, Uh, Described the Nehemiah and the book. Uh, The first six chapters obviously would be uh, concerned with rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Um, And then from chapters 7 through 13 would be rebuilding the people who live in the rebuilt walls around Jerusalem. Um, And Nehemiah, of course, is a a great leader. He is a man of prayer. Um, He has uh, several... Small prayers, obviously, throughout the book, but Chapter 9 would actually be one of the greatest prayers in the Old Testament. Mm. Um, and it is interesting that if you uh, look at uh, these uh, books in the Old Testament, written at this time, toward the end of um, you know the Old Testament era, uh, you've got... Uh, Nehemiah 9 and Ezra 9 and Daniel 9. (laughs) Mm, And uh, it's easy to remember all three of those are all great prayers of confession. So in that way, Nehemiah also uh, sees himself as part of this greater restoration movement that uh, begins with uh, heartfelt prayers of repentance, which would uh, be another way to uh, describe these three (laughs) nines in uh, Mm. this part of uh, Israel's history.
0: What's interesting? I heard one commentary uh, speak about how they were arrow prayers. They were just short and to the point, mm-hmm. you know. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands in chapter six. And mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I'll ask this now because we're you know may as well may as well ask it is why is it important for us as Christians to remember we can do arrow prayers uh, and mm-hmm. the, the chapter nine prayers as well. What what are your thoughts? Uh, on that? Sure.
1: Oh, I think that that's just wonderful that Nehemiah gives us. Uh, both sets of prayers, Um, depending on, you know, our walk with Christ, maybe uh, we lean one way or the other. Um, And Nehemiah gives us a a wonderful balance to incorporate both of those uh, in our uh, daily walk, right? Uh, Probably, the I'm just thinking about myself and how I began the day today. Um, Using a prayer book, I had a a longer prayer, kind of a Nehemiah 9 prayer. Uh, But certainly throughout the day, there are these short arrow prayers. He he ends the book, right? Uh, Remember me, O God, for good, Um, right at the end of chapter 13. Um, Yeah, what a great reminder of our life in Christ.
0: Well, let's dig into it. Um, Are you ready, Dr. Lessing? I'm ready.
1: Oh, yeah, yes, sir. Ready to go. <laughs> go.
0: Reminder to our listeners, yeah. we will be reading from the English Standard Version of Nehemiah chapter 13. We will begin with our first three verses. On that day, they read from the book of Moses and the hearing of the people. And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. For they did not meet the people of Israel with bread or water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. And as soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. So the title of this is often called Final Reforms, and he, well, he has a final reform right here. So what's happening in these three verses?
1: Well, certainly um, the books of Moses, or singular book, most of our listeners know that that's referring to what Christians often call the Pentateuch, right? Uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, even in verse three, when it says, as soon as the people heard the law, mm. uh, that law there uh, is referring in a broad sense to the same five books, uh, the, the book of Moses. Um, and, and so we've got that. Um, uh, both Nehemiah and Ezra uh, make a... Um, a, a a big deal, right? And and they really center people on the Pentateuch, these books of Moses. So so this isn't a, a new uh, a piece to uh, Nehemiah or Ezra, uh, who's also obviously a um, a post-exilic um, reformer in Israel. Uh, and and we certainly know that uh, the Ammonites and Moabites. Um, you know, did not greet the people as Nehemiah reminds them <laughs> with bread and water. Um, and so uh, at least at this point, right. Um, they should not enter the assembly of God. Um, and then it says, of course, at the end of the reading in verse three, the people heard that and separated themselves from those of foreign descent. So let's pick that part up first. Mm-hmm. Um the idea then being is that um, the the main downfall of Israel would be the intermingling of the nations and their gods and goddesses. Uh, and this certainly began in earnest with Solomon. Mm-hmm. The first uh, 10 chapters of First Kings, Solomon is great. Uh, <laughs> he's coming out, you know— um, with um, great success, he builds a temple. He asked God for wisdom, um, and uh, the Queen of Sheba comes and sees all his riches. And uh, you know, he should have just ended everything at, at the end of First Kings ten because eleven three says he had three hundred wives, um, and um, seven hundred concubines. Mm. So there's a thousand women, and then that same verse. Says his wives led him astray, and, um, and these wives were uh, of uh, foreign persuasion, like Ammonites and Moabites, Egyptians, etc. Um, and and these women, along with their deities, not only led Solomon astray, but finally would um, lead Israel astray. And not just women, but you know, men and women who would be uh, idolaters. The uh, post-exilic leaders then, people like Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, um, Daniel, uh, all of these uh, writers put a great emphasis on uh, the first commandment uh, because it was the breaking of the first commandment that led to the debacle of the Babylonian exile. Um, so that's what's going on here is we can't we we can't do babylon again so we need to separate ourselves from these people um because of their idolatry now the first three verses of nehemiah 13 don't say that mm-hmm. but that's what's implied um so that's what's going on uh, in verses one and three really the um uh, the beauty of of this reading would be the second half of verse two, right? Our God turned the curse into the blessing. Mm. Th- this is the message of the Bible, right? right? right. Um, that that the curse uh, is turned into a blessing. That curses don't have the last word. Um, it may look like it does, but uh, the curses that, that we go through or Um, you know, churches or nations or families, um, God has the power and the mercy to turn curses into blessings. Um, And obviously, as as you uh, described your program, uh, seeing Christ, um, this takes us right to Galatians chapter Mm 3, where Paul says that Christ became a curse for us uh, because, and then Paul's uh, quoting from Deuteronomy twenty-one, twenty-one 21, uh, in Galatians 3, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Mm. Uh, well, that mm. curse, that curse of the, the bloody, horrific sacrifice of Jesus is, is the greatest blessing and treasure and gift we will ever uh, have or experience. Uh, the context, of course, uh, in Nehemiah is that... Um, Probably our listeners know uh, Balaam and Balak, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like Lauren Hardy or something. I mean, they're just kind of stooges, aren't they? Uh, Balak <laughs> hires Balaam. That's what Nehemiah thirteen two says uh, to curse the Israelites. But see, once God has His blessing upon His people. And we're talking about the blessing to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that goes back to really Genesis 12, 2, and 3. Once God has his hand of blessing upon you, no one can curse you, see? um, They can try, and then it it will hurt, but it will not be ultimate, right? Uh, That's why Paul says, "...nothing in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord." Um, so the curses are going to be turned into blessings. Uh, Balaam tried uh, in, in numbers uh, 22, 23 and 24, but he, he kept you know, blessing the people. Um, so what a what a great promise to hold on to. Um, yeah, so he, he turns curses into blessings. He turns darkness into light, he turns uh, hell into heaven. He turns our unrighteousness into a righteous standing in Christ. This is a God who turns, (laughs) who Mm -hmm. changes things. Uh, So it was probably one of the most famous uh, lines in the whole book of Nehemiah.
0: Well, that's great. As you said, this is your favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Um, And you're starting out well.
1: (laughs) Slowly becoming that. (laughs) Slowly. I
0: I had a hard time um, not thinking of Joseph, you know, in Genesis 50. Uh, Verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And obviously, you know, we've been quoting Galatians 3 a few times, specifically Mm -hmm. chapter 10, where it says, oh, yeah, we got the curse here. You know, curse of the law. We're going to follow the Lord. And it was just kind of interesting. If you see the people talk about curse as far as following the Lord and you don't have Jesus, what a downer. um, That really is like, oh, it's all Mm -hmm. curse. But Mm -hmm. when you see the Lord who took a curse on himself. It really connects beautifully. So, so Dr. Lesson, right, anything else right. in those first three verses? It sounds like you could say more, but maybe we need to move on. You tell me.
1: No, no, you, you, you know, <laughs> we we only have a fifty minutes, Pastor. So <laughs> you, you put the bell of a medal. <laughs>
0: Got it. Here we go. Verses yeah, four, yeah. and we'll go through verse nine. Now, before this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, who was re- related to Tobiah prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the thirty-second year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I gave orders and they cleansed the chambers. And I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. So there's a lot of context here. A lot is going on. Once again, another reform that he does. What, what, is, mm-hmm. what does this tell us?
1: Well, it, it's really the same message of the first three verses by and large, right? Um, and it's, it's the tension that, that every believer has. Um, and that is to say, you know, classically, we're, we're in the world but not of the world. Um, so we're in the world with Ammonites and Moabites and people like Eliashib and Tobiah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do with these people? We may live with them. They may be, may be our spouse or our, uh, son-in-law or uh, someone you work with, um, Certainly this is not the whole of scriptural teaching on how to relate to unbelievers, right? <laughs> if it was, we'd become Amish people. I mean, we would just completely separate ourselves from society. Uh, and that's certainly not what, what God would have us do. Um, we we can't be the salt and light of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, right? By <clears throat> completely separate ourselves from unbelievers, and enemies of the gospel. Um, that said, <laughs> uh, we, we also uh, need to um, be aware that these people with their uh, false gods, uh, their false worldviews, uh, are going to show up in our lives. Uh, and there does come a point, and, and certainly this is where we're at in Nehemiah 13, that we need to Separate ourselves from them. Now, I'll try and make this as clear as possible. Um, I would not, as a Christian, I I believe I'm speaking biblical truth here. I'm summarizing. Mm -hmm. I do not invite unbelievers into the inner circle of my life. Um, They're not my best friends. They're not the people I consult when I have a decision to make. Um, However, okay, um, we we all have uh, Ammonites and Moabites and Eliashibs and Tobias in our life um, that that we need to have clear boundaries uh, that they can come this far in my life, but no further. Uh, That's the takeaway from really these first nine verses in Nehemiah 13. Uh, what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, uh, he says, bad company corrupts good morals, hmm. uh, w- which is essentially maybe a nice um, uh, summary of these uh, first nine verses in Nehemiah 13. I want to be very prudent and wise and discerning uh, on uh, who I let influence uh, me in my life. Um, yeah, so on the other hand, right, I, I don't want to uh, <laughs> just uh, depart from the world, again, like the Amish, to revisit that idea, uh, because I, I want to, um, in a humble and kind and serving way, influence the Ammonites and Moabites and Eliashib, again, Eliashib is, you know, the priest. He's he's uh, supposed to be part of my team, but he's uh, now switched to the other team by, mm. you know, inviting Tobai, who's, you know, kind of an arch enemy in the first six chapters of the book of Nehemiah. Uh, I want to still influence these people, um, but not be influenced by them there you go. There's the summary. I'll stop with
0: that. I like it. Yeah, I like it. And that's an, and that is uh, encompasses a theme that we'll see when it says not to intermarry or intermingle, like you said, Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. it isn't, and that's hard for us to understand as Americans. You're like, are you saying I shouldn't marry someone from Spain or someone from Norway or something along those lines? Like, no, that's not what we're saying, but it's about faith. And when we talk Mm -hmm, about faith, mm -hmm. you know, you can't go to an atheist and then get advice and then assume that they're thinking in the same lens that we are, or as we would say on this program, the Christ goggles as they look at everything. And so it's important Mm -hmm, for us to remember mm -hmm. that you can go to a Twins Cardinals baseball game with your atheist friend, but you're not going to go to get advice on what it is to live a Christian life or a Christian marriage or whatever it might be. You know, I think that's always a tension Mm -hmm. we live. Mm-hmm. And attention mm-hmm. that I I really appreciate how you put that the inner circle, um you know that is an important thing for us to remember especially in our marriages especially in our families and our oh, lives right. and right. boy mm-hmm. we this is a lot of times it's time for those arrow prayers right like when we talk about oh mm-hmm. strengthen mm-hmm. me with this and I think this is uh, Nehemiah is very relevant for our lives today
1: oh right and especially speaking into parents lives. Um, that as we now, I've got three adult children. You know, uh, two are married, one isn't. But I won't go into great detail. But um, I have prayed a lot for my three children, really. And someone told me this. I mean, years ago, that one of the chief prayers you pray for your children the day they're born uh, is you pray for a godly Christian spouse for those mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Um, because of everything we're saying here. Yep.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, and, and that's a good reminder to you, our listeners, is to pray, not only for your own children, your grandchildren, but pray for the children in your church, um, pray for the children in your community, um, for the mm-hmm. sake of their faith, but also for the faith of their future spouse. Um, what I want right. to do here, do here, Dr. Lessing, is I want to read mm-hmm. uh, 10 through 14, and then we'll go to our break, and we'll cover okay. what that is on the other side of our break. So continue in verse 10. Wonderful. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled to each his, own, to his field. So I confronted the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their stations. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses, And I appointed as treasures over the storehouses Shalemiah the priest, Zadok, the scribe, and Padiah of the Levites, and as their assistant Hanan, the son of Zakur, son of Madaniah, for they were considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service." As we hear these words, it's time for us to take our break. We are studying Nehemiah Chapter 13 with Dr. Reed Lessing, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Nehemiah chapter 13. We are slowly going through this. As Dr. Lessing said, this is slowly becoming his favorite chapter of Holy Scripture. <laughs> and he ends it in such a wonderful way in verse 14. Remember me, oh my God. But there's a lot that happened right before that. Dr. Lessing, what, now what's happening in these final reforms from Nehemiah?
1: Nehemiah, as we're finding out, just through chapter 13, but certainly through the first 12 chapters of the book, Uh, he's a man of prayer. Uh, He's certainly a man of action. Uh, Something similar um, happens in chapter five, uh, where uh, there's injustice being done to people. um, And the injustice in chapter 13, verse 10 is that the Levites uh, are not getting their portions They're they're simply not getting what they need to Uh, uh, survive—food and drink. um, You know, we would say today they're—they're not getting their paychecks. Mm. Um, So Nehemiah is um, a a great leader in that he um, is going to confront injustice uh, and uh, get things done. Uh, In that vein, uh, he's a lot like moses which hmm. of course is how chapter 13 verse 1 begins the book of moses but moses himself uh, I, i'm doing i'm writing a, a book not a commentary <laughs> but hmm. a book for cph on exodus now so this wow. is uh kind of right in my wheelhouse but if, if you try and understand moses you have to go uh, to the last half of exodus 2 uh, where he takes up the cause of of a Hebrew against an Egyptian, then he takes up the cause of a Hebrew against a Hebrew, then he takes up the cause of um, seven Midianite women against some evil shepherds. Right. Of course, one of those seven is going to be his wife, Zipporah. Um, but so Nehemiah stands in this mosaic tradition of of seeing injustice and and acting upon it, um, and. Um, Then he he doesn't do it alone, uh, which obviously comports uh, with uh, these earlier chapters when he's rebuilding the wall. He appoints uh, people to help him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he says, uh, reliable people (laughs) in Mm -hmm. verse 13. Um, And then, of course, he asks God to remember him, uh, which as we've already said, excuse me, that's how the book ends. Uh, Remember. And we need to remember, pun intended, that in Hebrew, uh, the term remember, zakar, you probably remember that, of right? Course, of course, of course. It's yep. Hebrew word, uh, <laughs> means to, to call to mind and act and do something. Uh, so Nehemiah is asking God to do more than just, um, say, record his name in a book or, or a ledger uh but uh, for god to act favorably uh, to Nehemiah and and essentially what we're coming back to is uh, Nehemiah uh is asking god to turn this present curse right um into a blessing
0: and that goes right with our theme. Um, exactly what we've been talking about to this point is that the mm-hmm. Lord will take this curse and put it into a blessing
1: and mm-hmm. remember
0: mm-hmm. me, oh my God. And this, I mean, I probably going here too quick because we'll get there later, but just, you know, on the cross, a thief, you know, uh, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. It's mm-hmm. just a wonderful. Mm-hmm prayer really of us mm-hmm. Lord remember me because we don't mm-hmm. want to be mm-hmm. forgotten and the promise of God is he does not forget so other right I, I, boy, we could talk about that all day but any, any thoughts on that
1: um well no nothing more than you know what I've already uh okay uh, stated yeah I yeah. like
0: how you say I've heard you say this before is Nehemiah is a people mover um. Can and, and we see that happening here? He's fighting idolatry. He's fighting injustice. Mm-hmm. Can you expand? Is there anything else you want to add on that? Because I'm I'm slowly seeing this come. Now I'm looking at all the chapters we've gone through. Yes, Nehemiah is a people mover. He gathers them to make the wall. He gathers them to fight injustice. He gathers mm-hmm. them to fight idolatry. Anything else you want to share on that? Because I think that really is helpful.
1: Right. Well, and just to uh, clarify, what uh, people movers are. Uh, just having been in, in several airports in the last week or so mm. uh, and used one of these, right? These are horizontal escalators. Okay. Um, okay. And um, <laughs> they come in very handy when uh, you, uh, maybe you're carrying a small child or you're trying to carry your meal or you're carrying your um, luggage, et cetera. Uh, and so it's a good metaphor Uh, because a people mover obviously moves people along quicker so uh, things they can get where they want to go and and we see throughout the book right that nehemiah knows how to motivate people um he's a strong personality isn't he i mean Mm -hmm. wow i mean i think at the end of Uh, this chapter, right? He's pulling out people's beards and letting them have it. Um, So that would not be under the title, uh, go and do that. Likewise. Right. But but what we take away from Nehemiah is a strong leadership coupled with a, a, a tender heart. Right. Um, Like in verse 10, uh, you know, the, the Levites weren't (laughs) getting what they needed. Um, and and I am just fascinated by um, this character trait that we see in many people in the Bible. They are uh, soft in the heart, but they're they're they've got great courage, right? Um, I I've been doing some work in Jeremiah, uh, and a little book is coming out on Jeremiah that I wrote. Some, actually, like. In three weeks or something. But at any rate, uh, Jeremiah is described in the same way. Yeah. Uh, they, they, we know he's the weeping prophet, but at the end of uh, Jeremiah 1, he's a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls. Mm. Uh, so these people are tough but tender. Um, they're mighty but they're merciful. And this is who Jesus is, right, in spades. And this is the kind of character that the Holy Spirit wants to form in our lives, right? We have good, clear boundaries. We know what we stand for. Uh, We take action when action is called uh, for. Yet we have soft, tender, broken hearts as well. Uh, The temptation for characters is to be one or the other. They're either kind of really tough people or they're tender people. Uh, But the biblical concept of a a believer's character is you're both, right? Both. Mm. Uh, Jesus is a a shepherd, but he's also a mighty soldier and warrior. I could go on, but that's what I see uh, in Nehemiah, Uh, this uh, great uh, combination
0: that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Now I'm going to, you know, usually I don't take the peeper mover machine in in the airport. Now I'm going to think biblically. I'm like, I am being Nehemiah. This is Nehemiah and he's carrying me along. I am. I'm excited to go well, in the airport again. This is going to be great.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and so we, we want to be encouragers. In, in my own Bible reading this morning, I, I, I came across again, Acts 436 where, uh, there's a name a guy named joseph uh from the island of cyprus he's a levite uh and it's just wonderful that he gets a nickname right barnabas which means as you know son of encouragement yeah um, yeah yeah oh, so um,
0: that's so great and I'll, I'll share this one story and then we're going to move on is uh I coach track up here in Sartell. Actually, my wife and oh, I coach track. Yeah. put and discus is what we've been doing. I've been doing it the last uh-huh. nine years. My wife for the last six with me. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. And there's a young man that was on the team this year. And this year was harder. This year was You know, it's just COVID, you didn't have the season prior. And there's mm-hmm. one kid that he's just an encourager. And I think he might have, you know, quite a bit of sarcasm that goes into discouragement. But I started calling him Barnabas. And I said, you are Uh Barnabas. And he goes, what are you talking about? And so we had just a great discussion about that. I saw his dad at a track meet, and I said, you know what? Your son's name is no longer this, but he is Barnabas, and so it's just kind mm-hmm. of a neat. And then you know, he talked about the Bible and all this, and and that really is a major theme that I think, like you're saying, that we can use as an influence, you know, in our mm-hmm. own um, lives as we witness to Christ and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great reminder of Nehemiah as well. Strong encourage, strong encourage, but also strong in encouragement. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, but we have to we have to move on because or else we're not going to get to the really, really good stuff at the end. So 15 uh, through we're going to go through verse 22, verse 22. In those days, I, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath in the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you were doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not the fathers act in this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Now you are bringing more than wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Now, Dr. Leslie, what I find fascinating, I want to hear your thoughts, is in chapter 10, it's very clear that all of all of these things that all the laws that they are breaking here. So the Sabbath, um, uh, taking care of the Levites, uh, the, uh, the, the no anger mingling was explicitly commanded in chapter 10 and already mm-hmm. three chapters later, they've broken them all. And Nehemiah has to do the reform. So just what are your, it's kind of a downer in some ways as I hear this. So, so what are your thoughts on these verses?
1: Yeah. Um, Sabbath, 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 of course, the Hebrew word for Sabbath sounds like the Shabbat, Mm -hmm. which means to cut off. Uh, In this case, of course, cut off work. Um, If you look at the Ten Commandments uh, and you would just look at, uh, you know, Exodus chapter 23 through 17, the third commandment word for word takes up about a third of the Ten Commandments. It's just uh, there's a lot of. A space given a third commandment, right? And mm. um, so why is that? Um, certainly within Israel's history, if we go back to the book of Exodus, you know, there was no Sabbath. Uh, it was just bricks and whips and Pharaoh's endless bag of tricks, right? Um, in fact, there was no Sabbath uh, throughout the ancient Near East. The Sabbath is uniquely Hebraic. No one in, in known civilization ever had a Sabbath. You just worked every day until you died. Um, hmm. And it's um, the, the, the idea then is that God has made us in his image. And if God needed rest, uh, so do we. And there's this fascinating verse in Exodus 31, 17 that says God only rested on the Sabbath day, but in doing so, um, he, he restored his soul, which is the same idea in Psalm 23, verse 2, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he restores my soul. God, this is just—I don't. This is a mystery, but God's soul, His nefesh, you know that mm-hmm. His life needed restoration. Mm-hmm. And if—and we're made in His image, if if He needs restoration, if He needs to get His life back, so do we. But but if we are workaholics, we're always in a hurry. We're driven by this four-letter word from the pit of hell: M O R E, more. more Um, that it not only destroys our souls, right? Uh, It destroys the souls of people around us. Mm. Uh, It even destroys the the lives of animals, you know, in this case. Um, So so that's one major piece to what Nehemiah is doing. Um, He understands that work and profitability and increase – and more cannot define us. Um, we are, what defines us is that we are, you know, children of God, right? We're the baptized believers, bought in the blood of Christ. Uh, but within Nehemiah's context and our context and most contexts in human history, um, working and getting uh, and hoarding, uh, have uh, become our gods. So we need, I'll just uh, say this one little bit of information here. Uh, United States of America, we have more um, storage space uh, than the rest of the world combined. And I'm not talking about garages and basements. I'm talking about places where we pay to store our stuff. Mm. See, in, in, in America – uh, we define ourselves by our stuff, and if you're going to get stuff, you got to work, and you got to work hard, and you you got to break the Sabbath, and and um, you, you're going to lose your soul. You're going to lose your soul, um, and and I just we li- you know, pastor, we we live and breathe this, uh, uh, this toxic air every day. Mm. Um, yeah, so we need to find ways to restore our soul. And the best way is to follow the Good Shepherd who leads us beside still waters, right? Mm-hmm. To, to be regular in worship and receive the gifts of God for the people of God. Uh, but in addition to that, also find physical ways, right, to restore our souls, whether we uh, walk or we collect stamps or we follow baseball or something that— is restores us so that we're not just making bricks for the Pharaohs in our lives all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'll stop there, but this is, this is um, not, you know, you read this and I'm sure our listeners say, well, what does this have to do with anything? It has to do with everything. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says, if you come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I will give you rest. See Sabbath rest. That's what he's talking about. Um, and and we need it. We need it. If we're going to be vibrant husbands and pastors and and uh, citizens and employees, we need to have our soul restored regularly
0: end of sermon that is well that's a wonderful sermon amen I think we'll say uh, to this one amen and it, it really does uh, it really does strike me of of the uh, we try to find the easy fix in this so it's like okay so you're okay so you're saying I have an idol all right I'll get rid of my rod Carew autograph and I'll be fine. Right. I'm good now. Right. I'm good. Right. You just said I'm good. Okay. I'm good. And uh, so I'll go to church and now I'm good. Right. Okay. I went to church. Okay. Now I'm good. So we have our list still and how hard it is to uh, restore the Sabbath. So here we see it in this way. That he's like, okay, no, we're not we're not allowing those guys to come anymore. Like they're gone. Like we can't have them come visit. Um, you can't come on. You can't come on Saturday. Uh, Take it away. They can't come. And then they and then they hang out outside the wall. And they're like, okay, so just okay. So the moment we we can come in, right? All this. So it's very difficult to quote keep the Sabbath for them as it is for us. Because we right. have a hard time finding our rest, um, we have our list, and we think if I just do a little bit here or there, and that's one of the struggles we have. So, do you have any have any thoughts? As you said, we need that rest. Any thoughts on that that's a hard battle, if you will, that we have. So, any thoughts on on that battle that we have, and uh, as
1: Christians, we have to be just very intentional, very intentional. Um, that is to say, you look at your calendar and you say this is going to be, um, restorative for me, whatever it is. Right. And, and, you know, again, I'm thinking about, uh, working out and exercise and travel or whatever. Um, but all the more so is, you know, as we think about how Luther describes this commandment, the third commandment small catechism is that we gladly hear the word of God and obey it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So we need both because we're psychosomatic people, right? We have a CK, we have a soul, but we're somatic, right? We have a soma, we have a body. Uh, So we we need to find ways intentionally where both our souls and our bodies are restored and are alive and are everything that God wants us to be in Christ,
0: As he says too, remember this also, my favorite. Oh my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In verse twenty-two, what does it tell us about God when he prays to the Lord?
1: Well, as you know, I know this word "steadfast love" um, is uh, a major uh, gospel word. Right? Uh, The the real short. Uh, understanding of this means uh, God gets in a relationship with us when he doesn't have to, and he stays in when he should get out. Ah, so that's, uh, it's just, it's called like parenting 101, right? <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily, you know, have to have children, but once you do, I'm talking about good godly parents here, you just, you're 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 in it. You're just in it, come what may. Uh, well, multiply that a bazillion times, and that's God's commitment to his people. Uh, steadfast love is a, a shorthand term for God's unconditional promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are fulfilled in Jesus. Um, yeah, so this is a, a in, in Psalm 136, right? Um, this uh, unknown psalmist uh, says 26 times, right? Famously, uh, his steadfast love endures forever. Yeah, um, yeah so we, that, that's not a broken record in Psalm 136. That's the essence of the gospel.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, let's continue on. We have about eight minutes left of our time, and we want to wrap it all together. So I'll read the rest of our chapter 23 through verse 31. In those days also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Amnon, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. And they could not speak the language of Judah, but the only, language, only the language of each people. And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made them take oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women?' Among the many nations there is no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and all this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was a son-in-law of Sambalat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priests and the Levites, each in his work, and I provided for the wood offering at appointed times, and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Now we have about five minutes left here, uh, Dr. Lessing. And here it goes right into another situation of idolatry <laughs> and intermingling and he pulls out people's hair, he beats them and chases them away. This is, I mean, this is quickly becoming my favorite chapter as I hear this. So how would you wrap this all together as we hear these last verses?
1: Wow. Yeah, as you said, it, it does um, reiterate many of the themes we've talked about Um Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 come to mind, right? By the mercies of God, right? The steadfast love of God, Nehemiah 13, verse 22. By the mercies of God, um, do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, that's what Nehemiah 13 is trying to get at. And, and how do you become transformed by the renewing of your mind? Nehemiah 13, 1 you read from the book of Moses, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, in addition to obviously the, the other 61 books in the Bible, but you have these five, uh, at the forefront. Um, so Nehemiah wants people, uh, to, to be transformed, uh, through, uh, God's steadfast love, which is certainly the, the final and, and full message of the Bible. Um, I would also say that what uh, Nehemiah uh, 13 tells us is that the, the, the work of reformation is never done. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us at some point have worked really hard uh, in our families or our churches, um, and, and we think, oh, gosh, we climbed the mountain, uh, and, and uh, we can close the chapter on that, and then – what happens? Um, someone <laughs> makes a bad decision, or uh, we find ourselves in a, uh, a new situation, and a lot of it is undone. Um, so, when that happens, uh, you know, we're, we're in the same ship as Nehemiah. I mean, look at Jesus, right? Three years of ministry, and what happened, you know, in the night he's betrayed. He's betrayed by a kiss, and then you know, you, you're a track coach, so this is the first Jewish track team, right? They all ran from it. Um, so, um, life in, in in ministry in this world is always going to have uh, successes as well as failures, uh, and it's it's best that we come to grips with this sooner rather than later, lest we set ourselves up uh, for uh, unrealistic expectations, because what happens then? is that people think it's all going to go well, and when it doesn't, they quit. I mean, they Mm -hmm. quit. They quit marriages. They quit following Jesus uh, because it wasn't supposed to go this way. Well, look at Nehemiah 13.
0: So we look at the steadfast love of our Lord and pray, much like uh, Nehemiah. Remember me, oh my God, and keep me in this steadfast love to steadfastly love others. Mm-hmm. Doctor du- Lessing, one minute left. Uh, any? What are your last thoughts as you as we look at Nehemiah and the whole and the whole book? Really,
1: thank God for the book. Right <laughs> uh, as I open my prayer um, from Romans chapter fifteen, that God has given us um, in this case the book of Nehemiah. Uh, for our encouragements and our life in Christ. And it's an it's a unknown gem, right, uh, in Holy Scripture. And uh, it's been my privilege to, you know, kind of wrap things up with you this, this afternoon.
0: Dr. Reed Lessing, Professor of Theology at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota, giving us God's strong word from Nehemiah chapter 13 and clearly helping us put on our Christ goggles. Dr. Lessing, thank you again for being our guest. My pleasure, Brady. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, Nehemiah preached the law. He cleaned house, if you can say it that way, and he did so for the sake of the faith of the people, and he prayed. Remember me, oh my God, and may we do the same, that we live in that tension of faith and living out our lives, much like the thief on the cross. Jesus, remember me um, in your kingdom. And guess what? He does. He remembers his promises all on account of Christ for you. Oh, Lord, continue to love us steadfastly as you do. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.